We are taking a deep dive into the uh, book of James, and uh, as we've discovered, James was the brother of Jesus. He was a leader in the church of Jerusalem, came to follow Christ as his Lord and Savior after the resurrection. And James's letter, which I love about James, is that his letter is so matter-of-fact. His letter sets the tone that we need to be a people of action, putting our faith and what we believe into action, not just saying that we are religious or that we just go to church once a week or maybe read my Bible once in a while. If we're truly believers and followers of Jesus Christ, it should be displayed in the way we live our lives each and every day. And what James is going to do is he's going to look at a group of people within the church that is, is showing favoritism. There's a, a hypocrisy that's going on in the church, that there's a disconnect with them understanding God's mercy and God's grace by showing favoritism of one group, an influential group, over another group that's not as influential. And James calls it out. He said, this ought not be. If we truly understand what Christ did for us, and if we understand God's mercy, we should not be a people that show favoritism. And so the letter mandates that Christians grow up, mature, and live out what they believe. And so what he does is he he basically calls out these questions to us of what does your faith look like when this happens? What does your faith... Listen, it's easy to live out a Christian life when there's no resistance to it. But when resistance comes, someone comes against what you believe or doesn't agree with what you stand for, or when suffering comes or things don't go the way you want them to go, what does your faith look like in those situations? What does it look like when our faith is tested? How do we react when things don't go our way? When we go through suffering. And how do we treat others? How do we treat them? Do we show mercy and grace to those who don't agree with us or or don't share our same ideals? How do we react in those situations? Are we showing the love and mercy of God or are we becoming defensive? You know, do, do we get offended when people don't agree with certain things that we believe in? And so in, ch- in chapter 2 of James, James deals with the problem of partiality in the church. And what, what he's going to speak to is a group of people who just simply ignore another group of people based on their status or appearance. And it's treating someone with more wealth and because of their wealth, treating them with more worth because of their status. And he corrects this hypocritical thinking. And basically, hypocrisy is just believing one way and then acting another. That's, that's all it is. It, it's actually a word comes from a Greek actor who wore different masks. An actor pretends to be someone else and not who they truly are. And so James will point out this hypocrisy of looking down on others and feeling superior to them when we ourselves have our own flaws and shortcomings. And that's the hypocrisy that he deals with. So you guys ready? Fasten your seatbelts. Once again, James is going to get right to it. So if you're offended, just get ready because it's going to get, you're going to be offended. So let's look at James chapter 2. We're going to look at verses uh, 1 through 13 today. If you've got your Bibles, you can look up at the screens. Let's see what James says here in God's word. It says, My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring, fine clothes, the best Jordans, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. 
And if you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet, which would have been humiliating. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him. But you've dishonored the poor. It is not the rich who are exploiting you. Are they not, are, are, are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in scriptures, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said you shall not commit adultery also said you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do commit murder, you've become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Let's see what James is talking about here. James points out there are flaws here of favoritism. Uh, Tim Chester says favoritism ends up judging one soul as being of greater value than another's. And it does all of this on the basis of superficial worldly criteria. So what's the underlying issue here? Well, what they forgot was they forgot who they were in Christ. They forgot how they were saved. They forgot what Jesus actually did for them when they were so unworthy of God's grace and mercy, yet God shows his grace and mercy to us while we were still sinners. This is how God demonstrates his love towards us. This is why we must consistently, and I say this all the time, and you may wonder, why do you say this all the time, Pastor Barton? I consistently say, preach the gospel to yourself daily. Why do I say that? Because when you preach the gospel to yourself, it will humble you. It will remind you that you were once an object of God's wrath. And God, by sending his son, that you didn't earn merit or deserve because of your works, he sends us his son to die in our place, to take the penalty of our sin. That's how much he loves you. If that doesn't humble you, there's a disconnect that you have with the gospel message. This is what James is trying to say. You're, you're actually judging someone based on their outward appearance. How dare you do that? Because you yourself will sit under the same judgment. And so we need to be careful that when we think too highly of ourselves, or we get too big for our britches, right? We better be careful. Because there's a disconnect of understanding the lengths and the depths that God went to to reach you in your sin. And the only way you can discover the depths and the greatness of God's grace is to understand the depths of your sin. That there's no way we could have ever 
approached God in our goodness and our good works, they would always fall short. So they lost sight of the gospel message. And Paul reminds the church in Corinth that God's calling is to the humble, those that recognize their need for God, those who see their need, those who see that they are poor in spirit and know that they are spiritually bankrupt before God. There is nothing we bring before the table in our goodness that, that God says, Barden, that's great, good, I'll, I'll receive that. No, there's nothing. God receives us through his son who is perfect, who is God, who does everything for us. My spiritual currency or goodness is worthless before God. You have to understand that. It's worthless. Whatever you bring, whatever good works you bring, is, is, is worthless before God. And here's what, here's what Paul says to the church in Corinth. Because he's speaking in a culture that prided itself on how wise they were and their philosophies. And they would get in groups and just pontificate about how wonderful they are and how much they know. And they would have these you know, debates among each other. And this is the, this is the culture in Corinth. This is the culture that Paul is writing to. And he speaks to those who come to Christ that feel like, well, what do I have? What, I have nothing. I'm not smart. I, you know, I feel so unworthy. And listen to what he says. He says, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were of noble birth. Just normal people living in Wayne County. Amen? Just normal people, right? But he says this, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God didn't choose us based on our wealth or our status. All of us were lost without and needing a savior. And so we don't deserve God's grace, yet God through his son restores us. So this is where preaching the gospel to yourself is so important every single day. We need to remind ourselves of the wonderful salvation that we received as a gift through God's grace and mercy that wasn't accomplished through our works. Amen? So when we understand that, it humbles us. When we truly understand the gospel message, we realize we are not better than anyone else. We are sinful and weak, and we can't save ourselves. Aren't you so glad you came to church today? Isn't this good? We need to understand this because it's humbling. It will humble your spirit. Having a proper view of ourselves changes the way we treat others. It changes the way you will treat others. When we treat others poorly, we forget how sinful we are. And we forget that God doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. None of us should be in this room right now. You realize that, right? God is a God of wrath. You understand that. And he will judge hearts that have not repented and turned to his son. And what should that do for you and I? That should break our hearts. A heart that has not repented and turned towards Christ should break each and every one of our hearts. That's not something 
that we gladly boast in. It should be something that should break our hearts. See, God placed our sins on Christ and he suffered for our sins. Now, we can look at this other way too. Some of you may be there and you may feel so unworthy. You just keep beating yourself up, keep beating yourself up and you never feel like, can God really call me? Pastor, you don't understand my, my past and all the wrong things I've done. When we consistently beat ourselves up for all our wrongs, we forget that we are forgiven and accepted in Christ. So when you come to him and you give your life to him, realize that you are accepted in him. He's the one that does the work in your heart. You are worthy because of what Christ has done for you in spite of all the stuff that you've done in your past. Isn't that good news? That's the gospel. That's the gospel. So listen, listen. Oh, just listen. Listen, the gospel's tough for people who are high in themselves because it speaks to your heart that you ain't got it all together even though you think you do. So that's hard because there's that pride thing that you got to break. So the, the gospel is hard because then you've got to break your pride. You've got to humble yourself. You've got to realize, I'm a sinner. But, but for those who feel unworthy, it's really good news, isn't it? Feel, feel that I don't deserve this. I'm unworthy. I'm unworthy. And then the gospel is such good news for those who come to him and feel like they're unworthy. And Jesus said, you come to me, and, I, and I'll make it right. And I'll cover you in my blood. And you can find forgiveness and reconciliation. See, Listen, just listen to this. is so important, especially in our day and age. Because when we see things that, that we don't like, it can turn into hate. When, when we don't like people around us or what they do, if we're not careful, it can turn into bitterness and hate and drive us away from the gospel message. The mercy, if you understand the mercy you received in Christ, it correlates to the mercy you give to others. It, it's, a, it's directly linked if you understand the mercy you received when you didn't deserve it, it's going to be the same. If you get that, it's going to be the same mercy and grace that you're going to give to others. Now, that doesn't whitewash what someone has done to you. If there was something wrong that was done, done to you, that, they're going to have to stand and give an account before God. D- does that make sense? God sees what goes on. You don't think God sees what's going on in the Middle East? You don't think it breaks his heart? But when I understand the mercy of God and what he did for me, I'm going to be able to show mercy. Because, see, the thing about mercy is I only want to show mercy to the people that I feel deserve my mercy. I only want to show grace and be nice to the people who are nice to me. You may have two sets of neighbors that live on either side of you. You may have one that's really nice and bakes you an apple pie during the fall. And you're like, I like that. I like that neighbor. I'm going to pray for that neighbor. And then you got the neighbor on the other side that if there's one blade of grass that you blew on your mower into their driveway, you know there's going to be a doorbell that's going to ring in about 10 minutes, right? You, you ever, that's not my neighbors. My neighbors are great, so it's not my illustration. But, but some of you, feel, and, and you, you get mad about that. You're like, <clears throat> or that coworker, right? They don't deserve my grace. But if I understand the gospel, I'm not going to show favoritism. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to pray for them that God's grace would be displayed through me. Christ's love would be displayed through me so they could see that and witness that. It's, it's that mercy is directly linked. The mercy that we're given, we should be displaying. If, if, I'm, if I'm stingy with mercy and grace, we've lost track of the gospel message. 
If I'm stingy on how I give it and who deserves it and who doesn't deserve it, well, you don't understand. They really offended me. You don't know what they said about me and blah, 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 right? Listen, we miss the gospel message and we become self-righteous. This is who James is speaking to. James tells us we break the law. No, we're going to get to the crux of what James is saying here, okay? This is James, so don't get mad at me, all right? Okay, this is James. Here's what he's saying. I'm just delivering the truth. Amen? (laughs) Okay. So James tells us we break the law to love our neighbor when we show favoritism. So this is what they were thinking. Showing favoritism is breaking God's command to love your neighbor. So we know that Jesus boiled down all 613 laws to two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, right? Strength. And then love your neighbor as yourself. Those are the two commands. Love God, love your neighbor. Now, what James is saying is you're breaking the law by not loving your neighbor. But they're scratching their heads. They're saying, well, wait a minute. They were mistaken because they were showing love, but they were showing love to the wealthy and the influential neighbor. So they're only doing it halfway. They were only keeping part of the command. Now catch this. Here's what James talks about. Now catch this, catch this. Selective obedience doesn't work. So here's, here's what James is saying. Here's what James is saying. Yeah, you may be loving this wealthy neighbor, but you're not loving those who are less influential. So actually, you're breaking the command of God to love your neighbor. And guess what? When you do that, you break all of them. You break all of them. I was listening to an interview um, that a young man was doing in a retirement community in Florida, a 55 and older community, which I can now be a part of. Oh, my goodness. Um, and so he was interviewing some people about their lives and what they liked, and many of them loved their family and their grandkids and their great-grandchildren, asking what they did and how do, how do they stay young and how do they keep their mind fresh. And, and then it got, it, this interview got kind of serious, and he asked this one woman, he said, um, are you afraid to die? And she said, she said, no, no, I'm not, no, I'm, no I've, I've kind of come to terms. He goes, well, hi. He goes, do you, do you know that you're going to heaven? And she goes, oh, yeah, I believe I'm going to heaven. He goes, well, how do you know? She goes, because I'm a good person and I'm nice to people. That was her reasoning. Now, if you drill down a little bit deeper and you were to ask her, are you really nice to everybody? Are, are you... Are you nice to 85% of you and not nice to 15 What about that one person in your family, that brother or sister you didn't get along with? Oh, yeah, 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 you're right. I probably wasn't too nice to them. Here's what James is saying. Just because you may have been 85% nice to people, 15%, you broke it all. You didn't meet God's standard. See, see what James is saying? What he's saying is you're breaking... God's law by showing favoritism, by selective obedience, which isn't going to work. And only by keeping part of the command, they they were actually breaking all of it. So James tells his listeners, if you break one law, you're going to break them all. You're going to break them all. This is a grievous act against God. You know, think about it. If If you break your windshield, a stone hits it. Look at this. Now, if you break your windshield, you're going to be able to see through that? No. You, you break your windshield and you, you know, you're 
it's not going to be good. You're going to get pulled over for having a cracked windshield. Now, you have this cracked windshield. It's all over the front windshield. You can't say, oh, just part of my windshield is broken. No, guess what? It's all broken, and it needs to be replaced. James is saying, if you break one, you break it all. There can't be selective obedience. See, this is exactly what James means. When you broke the law, you broke it all. A murderer can't say, well, I'm a good husband, though. Yeah, I did murder this person. I didn't like them, you know. But, but, but I'm, a good, I'm a good husband. And you know what? I pay my taxes. You can look at my tax returns. They're, they're just flawless. Look at my, look at my tax returns. They're, just, they're wonderful. What's the judge going to say? No. No, it, it's not going to work. You, you broke the whole law. So James tells us that we must walk. How do you do that? Mercy trumps justice. It triumphs over it. James tells us that we, we must walk in mercy and humility with all people. Ignoring one group of people is breaking God's command of loving your neighbor. I like what Sam Alberry says here. He says, we demonstrate we have received mercy from Christ when we show it to others. Mercy defines the gospel. If you want to be gospel-centered and gospel-living, you may be able to share the gospel and you may be able to understand what that means. James is saying, that's fine and dandy, but you better be living it. If the gospel's truly grabbed your heart, it's going to be seen in the way you show mercy and grace to others. See, we, we, let, let, let's guard our hearts against wanting to be noticed or showing attention to those that we want to impress. And when you understand what Jesus did for you and how he gave up everything, that he became a slave that he gave up his right to be served, to serve us, to hang on a cross, bloody, beaten, and bruised for you and I. That's humility. That's mercy. That's grace. That's what he went through. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, sunk to that level to reach us in the depths of our sins so we could understand freedom. He did that out of his grace and mercy that we didn't deserve. He did that out of his love. Let's guard our hearts. Let's show respect to other people that, and honor the people, even though they may disagree with us. Be careful with your language. Be careful. Just be careful. Remember who you're representing. Let people see who Christ is in you. Guard your heart against wanting to be noticed. I remember... Um, when I first came to the church um, 24 years ago, I was at a, a minister's meeting in Syracuse, and there was all these other pastors in this big room. It was a reception for one of our meetings, and I didn't know anyone. So I'm in there, and I've got my you know, plate of che- cheese and crackers, and I'm just standing there all by myself. Somebody please talk to me. Somebody please talk to me. Have you ever been in that situation? Yeah, everybody say, oh, oh. yeah, it was one of those. And I remember the, our district superintendent at the time was way across the room, and I met him a couple of times. He was way across the room. You know, everybody wanted to talk to him. And, he, and I saw him, and he caught eyes with me. And he looked at the person he was talking to. He goes, excuse me. And he just went all the way across the room and came right to me and said, Barton, it is so great to see you. 
gave me a big hug and said, let me introduce you to all these, to these other, and he introduced me to like 10 or 15 other pastors. That made me feel so honored. He could have talked to all these other pastors, larger ministries, whatever, but it made me feel so honored that he came to me and introduced me to other people. It took time to do that. What James is saying here is, look out for the least of these. Look out for the least of these. Show honor to all. Look for ways to honor people. I was, um, and I'm sure this, I'm going to shut up, but I, I was... I was at Spectrum because our power went out and it uh, fried our modem, so we had no internet. So basically our house was in chaos, like, no internet, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? And I called and they said, well, if we mail you one, it's going to be 48 hours. I said, we will die if we have to wait 48. You don't understand. It's not going to work. He goes, well, you can go to the Spectrum store and trade in your modem and get another one. I said, okay. So it was, it was late at night. It was like 6 o'clock. I went to the... I went to the Spectrum store and there was a ton of people in there and there's like only two workers and I didn't realize you had to sign in through the kiosk. So I'm at this other kiosk that wasn't the sign-in kiosk and I kept trying to tap the... I go, why isn't this signing me in? Why isn't this signing me in? And meanwhile, all these other people are coming in. I'm looking at the names going up and I'm going, wait a minute, there's Jim's ahead of me now. Judy, Judy, no. And so I'm like, where are they going? And I look over and, and there they are. They're all at the kiosk. So I go over and, and then Judy or Jim or, or Jim Bob, I don't know who it was, but they're there and they said, hey, you can go ahead of us because we know. I said, at that point, I'm like, no, that's okay. Just you guys go and I'll, I'll sign in, you know. And so I, I finally figured out the kiosk. I signed in. I was like number 85 on, in line. So I knew it was going to be a long time. Then I noticed another woman come in and she was trying to figure out the kids and she couldn't figure out and nobody in there was helping her. And it was at that moment... God said, Barden, what are you doing? All you care about is getting your modem and getting out of here. That's all you care about. And I did. I just wanted a fast transaction. And, and um, so I go, well, I'll help this woman. So I helped this woman. And I punched her name in. And, and, and she just looked at me. She goes, oh, thank you so much for helping me. I appreciate it. I said, oh, no, no big deal. I was the knucklehead who couldn't figure it out anyway. So um, I finally figured it out. So I helped her get in. And then she came over and she thanked me again. And she was, she was 75, that's what she told me. She was 75, lived by herself. And for 45 minutes, we talked. And what she told me at the end of the conversation was this. And I, after we got done talking, it was really, she did most of the talking because she was just a very interesting person. And, and so I don't know what her day was like. I don't know if she talked to many people. I don't know what went on in her day, but we just talked. And at the end of the conversation, she just looked at me and she said, um, thank you for just talking to me. And thank you for making my time go so much quicker. And I said, can I give you a hug? Because I'm kind of a hugger. <laughs> and we hugged. Never knew this one before. And we hugged. And, um, and I got in my car to leave after three hours in Spectrum. But I got in my car to leave. <laughs> and the Lord just dropped something in my heart. Pardon, just honor people. Just respect them. Don't be in such a hurry from point A to point B as to forget people. Let's not treat people as projects. Let's treat them as actual people that Jesus died for. 
But let's, let's honor them. Let, let's honor them. Wherever you are, whether it's a coworker or a neighbor or somebody you just run into on the street, you know, here, here's things that, that you can do to honor people. Just hold the door open for people. Let them go ahead of you in line. It, it's, it's amazing those little acts of honoring someone before yourself, how it opens up conversations with people when I deny myself and I honor people in their lives. Talk to people. Sometimes I'm in a store and if I see a security guard or somebody and it's not the store I like, it's the store that Kathleen or Lily likes, I'll just, I'll just strike up a conversation with the security guard and just say, hey, how you doing? What's up? Which, what's, how long have you been working here for? What, what's going on? And we'll just begin to talk. I remember one guy in New York City, I struck up a conversation. He's like, yeah, I'm from Africa. I moved over here. I've got two young girls. I'm just trying to work hard, save up for my family. And I told him, I said, good for you. That's great. Good for you. And we had this long conversation. Just honor people. Just honor them in your life. See, this is what James is saying. Don't overlook people. Because you don't think They're worthy of your attention. Don't overlook them because these are the very people that Jesus doesn't overlook. And maybe you feel overlooked in your life. Jesus doesn't overlook you. Let's be careful. The mercy and grace that have saved us, let it humble your heart so that you can be used as God's vessel to speak into other people's lives and to show them grace and mercy and the love of God. Amen? Amen. I'm going to shut up now. (laughs) And we're going to pray. I want you, as we close in song today, I want you to, to think of someone that needs your grace and mercy today. Maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's the neighbor, whatever it is that needs your grace and mercy, I want you to think about that. And what I want you to do is I want you to pray for that person by name. Just say, God, help me to show grace and mercy. They don't deserve it. But you know what? I didn't deserve your grace and mercy either. Help me in that, God. So that I don't become bitter. I don't, that I won't categorize people into people I like and I don't like. The gospel message breaks us of that. Let us be a people who are driven by the mercy that was given to us through his son, Jesus. Let it be displayed in the way we live our lives each and every day. Amen? It's hard to do. It's hard to do because you're fighting against your flesh. But this is the way of the cross. This is the way of Christ, denying myself and following him. So, Father God, we bow our hearts before you today, and um, we need your help, Lord. It's hard to show grace and mercy. It's, it's hard to look at things that we see that we may not agree with. But Lord, help us to continually speak the beautiful gospel message to our hearts every single day that Jesus gave his life for me. That your mercy and your grace is what saved me and I have nothing to do with it. Thank you for that. May it humble us as we deal with our world. May we pray for our world. May we pray for those that we come in contact every single day, the people we know, the people
people that we interact with God, the people we may not like God. Jesus, you tell us to pray for them. Pray for our enemies. Pray for those who persecute us. God, thank you that it's only through your mercy and grace that we're able to do this. We can't do it in our own strength. It can only come through the power of Jesus in our lives. Help it transform us so it becomes real in the way we live it each and every day and the way we treat each other. Let it be real. So we thank you for that and we love you. Thank you for your word. It's harsh at times, but it's correcting is good. Chafing is good because it makes us more like you, Jesus. So help us in Jesus' precious name. Amen, 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 amen. Would you stand with me? We're going to close in song.